Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And now, live on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app, it's Gabe Ramirez. That's a magic number. Morell going to third. He will slide. He's got a triple. Gabe Ramirez broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Going to be hanging out with you guys uh, leading up to Cubs baseball. So that's going to be fun. I just thought about this during the, hearing the intro. I wonder if Pat knows he's a part of my intro. <laughs> it's like. It's just like awesome, like awesome that he's in there. But uh, uh, the trifecta—if you've never heard it before—these are the top three stories that have have surfaced to the top, like the largest three ice cubes in my cup of water. You know, there's a ton of ton of ice, but only three ice cubes make it to the top. And these are my top three stories uh, that have been living in my head all day long. The number of the day is three. Number three story, Nuggets defeat the Miami Heat yesterday, 104-93. And isn't it just exactly what you expected? I mean, I told you right here, literally, on this show yesterday, I said, move the line for the Heat to 10.5 and and take the under. I was talking to Mark Grody yesterday. I said the score was going to be 108-98. That's what I thought it was going to be. But I told Mark Grody yesterday when we were sitting here, I said that, you know, the Nuggets are a high-scoring team, but Miami Heat plays defense and... If you want to factor in the rust, you can. But I said, Denver is also a sneaky good defensive team. So they are going to hold the Miami Heat, who was 30th in the league in points per game, to a low number. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. And I also pointed to two key stats. The Nuggets, number one in the league in field goal percentage. And we know that's a result of just high-quality shots, right? Whoever's creating them for you. And number two is that they are number two. In assists per game. And that's something that would have come in handy after a long layoff, right? Where you're able to move the ball well to some of your key guys. And you saw Jokic. I think it was like seven minutes into the first quarter, he had six assists. Wild. But you knew that's what was going to happen. Miami Heat, you spend your entire game plan trying to figure out how to neutralize Jokic. And what does he do? He's like, yeah, sure, double-team me. Whoop, Aaron Gordon. Whoop, Jamal Murray. Whoop, Michael Porter Jr. Exactly what ended up happening yesterday. And look, you can say Jimmy hit a wall, or you can create whatever narrative you need. The fact of the matter is this. When the playoffs started, the Nuggets were 11-1 to to win the NBA championship. They ran through a young Timberwolves team. They stole the heart, literally, of the Phoenix Suns. Owner damn near mortgaged his entire future to get Kevin Durant. And then he just knocked him out. No problems. Obviously, Chris Paul was hurt, but that's a whole other story. They embarrassed King James. Sweeping them in four. And listen, like I mentioned, Aaron Gordon is good. Jamal Murray, Mike Porter Jr., they're good. And Jokic is just simply great. And I was listening to Kevin Garnett. He has that really cool um, show on Showtime with Paul Pierce. And he talked about how difficult it is to sweep any team. But here I am, one game into the NBA Finals, and I'm saying, the Nuggets are going to sweep again. It's like, what are we What are we doing? It's like, 
my group chat yesterday to tell you what my guys were saying. Shout out Ryan. Shout out all the guys in three room two. They were making fun of everyone that predicted this correctly. Is this the finals? Is this the finals that you wanted? Is this is this the one? As the Nuggets were up a dub, is this what you wanted? I hate all of you. But again, the fact of the matter is, the Nuggets are a good team. Shout out to anybody that put money on them early on, and it will be a quick series. Like I mentioned, I'm off on uh, like the week of June 12th, and I'm just selfishly hoping the game, the, the series goes a little longer, just so I can watch some basketball while I'm on vacation. All right, there's your number three story, ladies and gentlemen. Number two. Number two story. So. Let me guess. You went out, you bought property in Arlington Heights because you thought the Bears were moving there. You're like, Papa, I'm getting ahead of the curve. I know prices are high right now, but when the Bears move here, it's going to become astronomical. You thought you were going to be taking the 90 to the new stadium, but that all might be changing. No, not because the Bears are itching to stay at Soldier Field. That would be. Uh, we all don't think that's going to happen. But because after a reassessment of the newly purchased land in Arlington Heights, the Bears are now facing a, a, a tax burden that could derail the plans um, to make that move to the Northwest Burbs. So I think the property was valued at like, I don't know, 30-something million dollars, and now it's gone to $197 million. Meaning that tax burden, right, that's placed on the Bears should they move to Arlington Heights, just a tad more than the organization would have liked to pay. So now your trip down the 90 has become probably for majority of you like a 294 to I-88 kind of a thing. Or just 290 straight down if you're coming from the city, right? To get yourself out to Naperville. Now, the process of getting your taxes reassessed, difficult. I'll take a little sidebar for a second. So one of my first properties I bought was in Humble Park. And I, I'll never forget, like right before the recession happened and prices were becoming out of control. And then shortly thereafter, there was an opportunity to get your taxes reassessed. Because obviously the economy was tanking. And... I'll never forget. I went to Mozart Park. <laughs> I just rolled in there. The alderman was sitting there and he laid out like this, literally this line, this assembly line of like fighting your tax assessment. And it was like, you went to station A, you said where you were, you went to station B, there was a, the treasurer there and you went to station C, you set it in. And of course he was trying to get votes and needless to say, taxes got reassessed, probably cut in half. Now, I don't know if this is going to happen with the Chicago Bears, right? I can't imagine they're going to chop it down that much. But I don't know. Maybe the person that assessed the property and put it at 197, 197 million, maybe he he got greased a little bit by the city of Chicago. <laughs> That's like the most Chicago thing that would happen. A guy gets greased to put the value of the land at a higher rate than what it would be simply so they could backtrack into either Naperville or um, back downtown to Soldier Field. Now, now here's something that's really cool. This is a letter from Scott Wherley, mayor of Naperville. I just want to read it because I think it's I think it's pretty cool when you think about a mayor of a just the suburb right outside of Chicago. I go to Naperville all the time. I drive down, drive in there, drive in all these places all the time, and I think that there's some mayor who I probably never would have mentioned his name, never would have heard of him, never would have hung out with him, and here I am. Where he knows hella people that are listening right now. And they're like, bro, they read your letter on 670 Discord. Yeah, I am. Why? Because I, I think it's a cool letter. Dear Mr. Warren, congratulations on your new position in president and CEO of the region's most iconic business. As a lifelong Bears fan, <laughs> I love that. I respect that the team has decided that developing and operating its own stadium is essential for on-field success and pursuing championship. A little brown-nosing in the beginning. I get it. We got to do that stuff. 
On behalf of the city of Naperville, I would like to formally introduce our community organization as if they did not know about Naperville. As you consider or reassess your planned relocation, the city would welcome the opportunity to review your business needs and our available properties. Basically, what they're saying is, bruh, come holler at me. I ain't got that red tape over here. We run, we run our own stuff over here. I got you. Through prudent planning, Naperville accessible, is accessible via our region's major interstates and metro. It's, again, as if we don't know where Naperville is. We have several available. See, this is the fluff. You, you should, somebody should have edited that part out. Uh, but they may fit your characteristics uh, for your future home. Like you, I'm new to my role. Shout out. Love that. Trying to find a common ground. I pledge to pursue responsible economic development to support Naperville's thriving economy. And everybody in Naperville, I mean, I know nothing about this guy. I don't know if he's an ajo or a saint. But if I was a, a resident of Naperville and a Bears fan and I, re- and I saw this letter... I'll vote for this guy for the rest of my life until I pass away. This is the kind of stuff we need. I need my mayor to be doing stuff like this. Forget the sidewalk crack that I have. No. Forget the cul-de-sac that I want to be. No. This. Right here. This is where it's important. And he finishes by saying, while I'm new to being mayor, I have been on the board of directors of Naperville Development Partnership, the city's economic development partner in my private sector capacity as a business owner and community banker. This group has a track record of working with, working with businesses to make investments in Naperville, the right decision for their organization and the community. If you or your team would like to discuss your needs, I love this part. This is like such a sales pitch at the end. If you or your team would like to discuss your needs. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I, I talk to my wife every night when I get home, and I just I need somebody else to talk to, Scott. Please contact me at the information below for any business looking to invest and create jobs or provide concierge service. Great word right there. And ensure you get all the necessary information to make timely business decisions. Good luck in your new capacity. And we wish the Bears luck in the upcoming NFL season. My old boss at B96, my boss now, Mitch Rosen, and myself, we all live by that mantra. Regardless of our, of our position, when we are in the presence of others, we are like concierge. We are like a concierge service. I have zero problem getting anyone water, opening doors, running and going, getting things. I'm, I, that, that's, it's foolish to think otherwise. So I love the fact that he put that in. There's something that stood out. Again, Scott Worley, mayor of Naperville, uh, shooting a shot, sliding in the DMs, essentially, of the Chicago Bears trying to get them over there. Uh, we'll talk a, a lot more about that uh, later. But, again, it's, uh, if you were thinking you were going to be buying a house in Arlington, you might want to just relocate. Number one. Number one story inside the trifecta. Gabe Ramirez here on 670 to score. Um, it is just about Justin Steele, right? Again, like the trifecta are just stories that have just ca- caught my eye and continue to be things that I was thinking about. And I will say this, and I probably will never say this again. This is going to be the one time snapshot. Don't record this, Leo. I think I might be becoming a Cubs fan. I know. Leo even looked at me crazy. I don't mean in lieu of being a Sox fan. I want to be very clear. I just, last year, I really enjoyed the guys and the team and what they were doing. This year, I like the new faces. I really like the pitching staff. I like Christopher Morrell. I like, there's there's guys that I like. I'm sad that Nick Madrigal's not there anymore. But they're just a little more likable than the White Sox right now. And as a Sox fan, I'm, I'm talking about the Cubs constantly. And then I'm like, damn. Am I checking in on Justin Steele as if, like, you know, <laughs> as if he's Giolito? And I'm like, is he all right? Is Giolito going to be good? Like, that's somebody I would check in on. Justin Steele is the same way. Well, according to Bruce Levine, um, Justin Steele likely to miss his next start. MRI showed very minor issue, a very minor issue, with the tight forearm to force him to leave a start Wednesday after three innings. That we know. Um, Justin Steele did mention afterwards that, you know, 
he, he talked about what he thought it wasn't. Um, I mean, not really. Um, I don't think it's anything like that. But, I mean, as far as that rehab went and stuff, I, I felt like I crushed it. It didn't really do anything for me, but it felt good. Of course, he's talking about uh, the need for Tommy John. And again, man, uh, Justin Steele, Smiley, Strowman, Assad, guys you can get behind and cheer for because you want the best for them. So again, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm there yet, but I, it's been creeping in my mind. Like you know, maybe you thought you didn't like a girl, and then all of a sudden you're like, damn, do I like her? I keep thinking about her. And that's how I am right now with the Chicago Cubs. Again, probably you'll never say that again, but I feel like this is a safe space inside the trifecta. That's a magic number. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Gabe Ramirez, 670 The Score, broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios. Shout out to everybody listening on the Odyssey app. Make sure you download that thing. So many perks right there for that. Shout out to everybody on our HD2 channel as we come in loud and clear. Um, we have a great show lined up for you guys. Uh, Leo Stodher is our producer today. Lined up some great guests uh, for the show. Coming up just after this, uh, we have Tony Andraki. And uh, 7.20, we got Howard Beck to talk a little NBA Finals. That's going to be a good one. And then I have some questions about uh, the Chicago Bears that I want to touch on. Uh, I am still the Sox fan, so I- I'm not going to leave them out of the show today. Uh, but I am leading you into Cubs baseball. All right. Uh, pre-game begins at 8.05. First pitch, 8.40 on the score in Xfinity Cubs radio network. Cubs taking on the Padres today. So uh, we'll get a chance to discuss that with Tony Andraki. And the question that I have for him specifically is after a complete game and after saying that he really does want to be a Cub, will Marcus Stroman be a member of the Yankees by the end of the season? There are some stories circulating, and I'm curious what Tony Andraki has to say about that. We'll talk to him next and get that answer. It's Gabe Ramirez on a beautiful Friday here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. See the score. Three-time world champion Chicago Bulls, Stacey King, teams up with Chicago Media. We're back, live with more Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. Nobody on the 1-2 by Stroman. Swing and a miss, strike three. Either a cutter or a sharp slider in under the hands of the left-handed batter, and that's out number two. Gabe Ramirez here on 670 The Score. Ah, what a beautiful day when Marcus Stroman threw that complete game shutout. It's good. Made you feel good as a Cubs fan. Made you feel even better when they came back the next day. Kyle Hendricks looked like, yeah, kind of like Kyle Hendricks. And even on the third day, when the Cubs fell 4-3, to three, he still kind of felt good at the end of that. Huh? And that's when the rumors started swirling. Where is Marcus Stroman going to end up? And we get an opportunity to chat about that, the upcoming series, and the current state of the Chicago Cubs with our next guest. He joins us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. He's a digital content manager, Cubs reporter for Watch Marquee. Uh, just a good all-around guy. Love talking to him about the Cubs. Of course, 
I'm talking about none other than Tony Androcki. Tony, happy Friday, man. Hey, how's it going? Happy Friday to you, too. Um, you know, I couldn't help but to read so many articles today about Marcus Stroman because, you know, when the, the big bad guy, the New York Yankees, are involved, everyone seems to want to talk about it. I've had several conversations, Tony, with people about, you know, because right after the game, I, I, was on, I was on the score right after the game. And we were, you know, fans were hyped up. Everybody was talking. And then, you know, the, the conversation began about, you know, if you are going to re-sign him, right, if he does opt out, how many years are you going to sign him for? He's 32. He just turned 32 a month ago. You know, how much are you willing to, to dedicate to this guy? And then someone called and said, trade him. <laughs> like, literally, somebody called on the radio and was like, just trade him. It's, he's hot. Get, you know, just get some prospects. He's not, not here for the right window. Um, is that something you would entertain? One. And, or actually, more importantly, will Marcus Stroman be on the Cubs at the end of the season? Your opinion. And, and two, if you were to keep him here, um, I would love for you to answer that question as well. It, assuming he opts out, how long would you will, be willing to commit to him for? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. And, and honestly, it's probably one or, or both of those are, you know, the questions of this season as we move forward here into the summer. Um, it, obviously, we're in June now. And the Cubs, uh, I think, you know, we all saw it was kind of a tale of two months so far. Like, April was pretty solid. Uh, they played well against some really good teams. May, you know, not quite as much. And um, and they the Cubs feel like to a person in that clubhouse – they feel like they're underperforming. So, um, but obviously they have to turn things around. You know, they need their luck to, to fall in their favor. They need to play better. They need to come with more clutch hits. And if so, then they can certainly get right back in this very winnable division. You know, they're only a few games out of the wild card. Like this is all well within their reach. If they're able to do that, I don't see them trading Marcus Stroman. I, I think, you know, we've also seen reports this week and earlier in the spring about Stroman being open to an extension and, Every single time he pitches at Wrigley Field, he talks about how much he loves it, how much he loves the fan base, how important it is to him to go out and feel the energy uh, 30, 40 minutes before first pitch when he goes to warm out, warm up out in the bullpen. So, you know, I think he's very motivated to stay here. And uh, I think we everybody kind of understands that, like, he'll probably opt out after this season. He won't have the $21 million uh, for next year, you know, unless something really bad happens where, he has a really, really tough final four months or gets hurt or something like that. But, yeah, you know, right now the most likely course is that he's a free agent after the season because he opts out and, and hits the market again. Um, I don't think the Cubs are going to trade him just from the sense of, like, I could see them getting back into it. And even if they don't fully, like, get back into it um, by the trade deadline, I think they still would feel confident that uh, maybe they could get a deal done. I definitely see – reason and, and motivation from both sides to try to get an extension done beyond 2023 here. So um, I do think that he'll stick with the Cubs, but really I think that's a question that only can definitely be answered as we see how June plays out and then, you know, how July after that, because trade deadline is two months away, which is a long time and not a long time at the same at the <laughs> right. same time. So, right. yeah, I'm really curious to see what the Cubs do. Talking to Tony Andraki here on 670, the score, Gabe Ramirez. The reason I brought it up, Tony, is because <sighs> – the guy who's pitching today, Jamison Tyone, right? He's making, I think it's like $17, $18 million a year. And if you got Stroman making 21 and pitching the way he's pitching, or 21, 22, whatever it is, right in the area, and he's pitching the way he's pitching, you know he's going to say, you're paying this guy X amount of dollars, so you, I need to be making at least this much money. And I think that's a huge issue 
uh, that the Chicago Cubs are going to run into. But again, Stroman saying all the right things. I love pitching here. When I get out, when I when I go out 40 minutes before the game, the fans are cheering me on. And he's the kind of guy that, that needs that sort of fuel or, or thrives off of that sort of fuel. So it'd be good to see him there. But the guy I mentioned a second ago, Jameson Tyone, um, obviously on the mound today against the Padres, uh, still hasn't, hasn't gone past five innings, uh, still hasn't got a victory for the Cubs, ERA right over eight. Do you still have hope that, that, that he can uh, turn his season around? Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, I go back to a, a bunch of guys who have signed with the Cubs and with other places struggle in their first season. I mean, the most recent example of that could be you Darvish. Um, and just the fact that he struggled for really the whole first year, he was hurt and everything else. And then, you know, he ended up being a phenomenal pitcher for them. Uh, really even, you know, all the way up through like 2020, he was like in the Cy Young conversation and stuff. And in 2019, he was really, really good for them as well. So, and then even Stroman, you know, the first couple months of last season didn't go well for him. He was on the COVID list. Uh, he came back, had some, some shoulder issues because he was trying to like work back after the COVID list, uh, you know, a bit too quickly, ended up affecting his shoulder and his mechanics. But the last three months, three and a half months of the season, he was like one of their best pitchers and he was lights out. He had a sub three RA, He's obviously carried that over into this season. But, you know, you look at just those two examples or you go back to 2015 and see John Lester's first month, month plus with the Cubs, he really struggled as well. And we all know how that ended up, you know, one of the best free agent signings in franchise history. So definitely time for, for Tyon to turn it around. I do think that that's the most likely scenario here. Um, speaking of luck, I mean, he's been pretty unlucky. Like some of the underlying metrics show that he should be, doing quite a bit better shouldn't necessarily have an eight ERA. Uh, that being said, there's still a lot of things that he needs to clean up. He's giving up too many hits, uh, probably too many home runs as well, uh, walking a bit too many guys. So he needs to clean up his mechanics a bit. But one thing to keep in mind with him is, you know, he went on the injured list in mid-late April with a groin injury, was out, you know, two, three weeks, and then came back without a rehab assignment at all because the Cubs really needed a guy in their rotation. So he came back a little quickly, and since then is when he's really struggled. Right before he went on the IL, he had uh, five shutout innings against the Dodgers. So, yeah, he, he's still getting into his rhythm. He felt like last time out was a step in the right direction, even if the results weren't quite there. Uh, but we definitely just need to see the results now, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough to do that against the Padres. They just <laughs> welcome Manny Machado back. But, hey, how's it going? Um, I, I, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it'll be, you know, good good days are coming, I think, for Tyone. I, I don't know. Today is going to be a tough one for sure, though. Yeah, I, I just hope that Rossi, you know, if it, if it comes, you know, to where, where he's he can get to the, you know, past the fifth, get, let him get him one batter. I keep talking about the confidence that needs to be instilled in these guys and the vote of confidence that needs to come from the manager. And I think that if he, he allowed for that, you know, two of his last three starts only went four and two-thirds. And, you know, not saying that it was a quick hook, probably the right decision in the moment, but I think that the opportunity cost is lost there because you probably would have got more from him had you let him just go a little bit longer in terms of the confidence that can be uh, there for a guy like Jamison who needs it. But still giving up a ton of hits, still giving up a ton of runs, uh, not necessarily throwing a ton of strikeouts per game. So, I mean, again, cleaning up those little things, I, I hope so because he's clearly going to be around for a little bit. Um, so you, you want to make sure, you want to hope that he can – following the footsteps of a U Darvish and the guys that you mentioned uh, before. Um, when I'm looking at this lineup uh, for today and, and just, you know, how it's been constructed over the last month or so, 
that seems to be another point of contention for Cubs fans. Um, have you have you had that same sentiment, Tony, when looking at some of the Cubs lineups over the last couple of weeks? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess yes and no. Yes, more so in the sense that, like, I don't really know how Ross should line these up, these guys up or um, the matchups he should play. You know, I know there has been a lot made up of the reverse splits or matchups against, you know, starting pitchers or whatever else, um, you know, but I, I don't know. It's just, it's really tough right now because the Cubs overall numbers are really good. If you look at a lot of their offensive guys, the numbers are great, you know, OPS or average or, you know, just overall production. But the problem is it's guys in scoring position and it's clutch stats. It's high leverage moments. It's two outs with guys in scoring position. It's runners on third with less than two outs. It's driving in runs. That's the problem. And really, whatever way Ross lines him up, I mean, all these guys need to do a bit better in that. And everybody said it. You know, I, I appreciated Ian Happ before Tuesday's game against the Rays. You know, he said that that he really likes what he's doing this year in terms of walk rate. Um, you know, he's among the league leaders in walks and on base percentages. But he feels like he should be driving in runs more, especially hitting in a in that three four hole that he's been all year. He wants to come through with more hits in the Cubs lineup than he has been, especially with guys in scoring position. And, you know, we saw it happen on, uh, on Wednesday. He, you know, he had a hit with, um, I think it drove home Nico, but he wants to do that kind of stuff a bit more. And I think all these guys really need to come through with it a bit. And, and that's also, you know, I think a guy that has come through is Mike Talkman. And that's why we've seen him hitting in the five hole recently. Um, you know, just the last couple of days he's been there, including today. So it's um, he's been coming through with hits, especially with two outs. He did that against the Rays, you know, each um, one in each game so far. So, you know, I, I think it's it's just that. It's whatever order Ross lines him up in, they just have to come through and start performing in high leverage moments. And um, really that's going to be a tale of June and, and a tale of the rest of the season as we talk about uh, the trade deadline is if they can have this kind of luck, uh, positive regression in the luck era, but also just come through in those big moments that they haven't been so far, especially in May. We're talking to Tony Andraki uh, from Marquee Sports Network right here on 670 The Score. I'm Gabe Ramirez. Happy Friday, everybody. Um, you talked about the lineup and, and people that are in the, like, like Talkman, you know, at the five spot. I, I suggested yesterday, even though he hasn't been playing particularly well, to put Mervis in that five hole. I felt like, you know, kind of the same sentiment with Jamison Tyone, where, like, you can build up some confidence in a guy by just showing him that you trust him in a certain space. And I think that Mervis might be a guy that, that – that could benefit from something like that. Obviously, he's not in the lineup today. Um, I'm sure he'll get a, a nap bat at some point. I'm sure. Um, but the guys that are mainstays, right? Your your Horner, Swanson, Hap, Suzuki, one through four. You know, is pretty consistent for uh, for Rossi. And and obviously, it's easy with with Saya doing what he's been doing over the last couple of weeks. Um, what what can you say about him and in his comfort level right now um, in in the majors? In Saya, you're saying? Yeah, Saya Suzuki. Yeah, I mean, he's looked really good, too. You know, obviously, he had the, the slow start to the season with the oblique, and really the last, I don't know, three or four weeks, he's looked really, really good. And um, we saw that in stretches last year, too. He started out really hot, slumped for a bit, hurt his finger, was out for about a month, came back, did pretty good, you know, slumped a bit, finished the season pretty well. So with him, it's really just about consistency, and that's kind of what I keep an eye on. We know he's capable of getting hot and performing well, as he has been over the last few weeks. Uh, we know he's able to do that for some stretches, but he really wants to do that over a consistent period of time, and, and that would be huge for the Cubs if he can as well. But, 
Yeah, I think just overall, he, he seems more comfortable this year, and that's to be expected, his second full season in the big leagues here. And, and there's no lockout either. You know, he had to deal with a lockout, a short in spring training, and yes, he was hurt during spring training this year, but, like, he still was able to have a, a normal schedule, at least mentally, to to get ready for the season. You know, he had a full, you know, 10 days or 14 days or whatever to ramp up before he got hurt, before, you know, when Cactus League game started. But I think – He's just in a better place overall. He looks like it, and, and I do think we'll see more consistency from him too as the, as the uh, season goes on. And and also, I think defensively, he's looked pretty good. He made a phenomenal throw the other day, and and just in general, he seems to be making some really nice plays out there too. So yeah, by and large, you know, I, I think he's much more comfortable his second year in the big leagues. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. You look at Seiya and you know the ability to lean on his strength and, and his power is really you know help the Cubs out, but. I mean, when you can get a guy like Seiya and slide him into the four spot and just be like, you're good, bro. And he's like, yeah, I'm good. Leave me right here. <laughs> like, that's exactly what this team needs because obviously bringing guys in is something that they've been struggling with lately. And, and you could point to the number of guys, right? I mean, 17 left on base the other day is just a, a crazy number that should never happen um, in baseball. But, you know, there are, there are guys out there like, like a Patrick Wisdom, you know, who's three for his last 30 and, you know, you want the power from a guy like Wisdom, um, but you have to sort of, you know, balance that out with the lack of productivity over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, Wisdom, like you said, he, he's been struggling overall. But, you know, then he had that one awesome game uh, Saturday, Sunday, I forget which day it was, uh, against the Reds where he was their entire offense. He had a three-run homer and a two-run homer and drove in all five runs for the Cubs. So, um, you know, he's capable of that, of course, and, and he's able to, to just go out there and, um, you know, be a source of instant offense regardless of whether he's, you know, over his last 27 with 25 strikeouts or whatever it may be. So, um, yeah, he's always a threat. And I think with Wisdom, too, is he's playing really good defense, and we saw that from him in 2021. He came up, he was really he really impressed everybody, obviously, with his power and set the Cubs' rookie home run record. But defensively and on the bases and just his overall athleticism, the Cubs liked a lot. Last year, he really kind of struggled a bit defensively. And I don't know the exact issues, but the Cubs felt confident that they corrected it coming into this season. And I think it shows. He's been really, really good over there defensively. And uh, that's important for a Cubs pitching staff that does induce a lot of ground balls, and specifically with guys like Stroman and Steele. So, um, you know, I think that's big. And I think as Wisdom works through these offensive slumps, which he's prone to and he'll continue to have throughout the season, I think the thing that keeps him in the lineup is just the fact that any swing he has can be a, a huge game-changing type of swing and also just the defense that helps him be a, you know, a consistent pre- presence in this lineup, hitting 7, 8, 9, wherever it may be. So, um, yeah, you know, obviously he wants to find more consistency too, but, uh, but I think with him, you know, it, these are just going to come. He, he was so hot at the beginning of the season, he had like, you know, he's among the league leaders. He still is among the league leaders in home runs, but he was right up there with Max Muncie for the first three, four weeks of the season, uh, tied for the National League League in homers. So um, when he gets hot, he really gets hot. He can carry a team, and I think the Cubs are just hoping that he can get to that point soon and, and kind of tap into all that power potential. Tony and Jockey on the score. It's Gabe Ramirez. All right, before I get you out of here, uh, obviously you're the digital content manager over there for Marquee. Who's your Who's your – or who are, if there's more than one, I'd hope. Favorite people to follow on the Cubs? 
favorite people to follow on the Cubs? Well, I mean, I like the at watch marquee one. Uh, that's <laughs> definitely one of my favorites for of sure. Course. Um, <laughs> yeah, but no, I think all all the beat writers really, you know, like I'm not into no, no, no. I'm talking right about the, I'm talking about the players. Like when you you know sometimes oh. you know like sometimes players are quirkier than the others. They might get down a little bit differently. Like who who are some of your favorite follows? Oh, okay. So my favorite two are Adbert Alzali and uh, Justin Steele. And Adbert's great because he seems always posting uh, positive stuff, positive messages. And he seems to be so quick. Like, right after a game ends, he'll be like, Justin Steele was great today, or Marcus Stroman was awesome, or Christopher Morrell brings the energy. He, he always has something, like, right when a game ends. I feel like he's extremely quick with it. And uh, Steele's pretty funny, too. Like, when Morrell was on his hot streak, uh, you know, he tweeted at like 9 a.m. He's like, why isn't Christopher Morrell homered today? And uh, that cracked me up quite a bit. So I think those two are my favorite. And then um, it's kind of fun to see Marcus Stroman sometimes just like have some fun with fans with his quote tweeting as well. So uh, those three, I think, are, are probably my favorites. But I appreciate Steel's sense of humor and adverse like relentless positivity and, and quick trigger on uh, tweets immediately when games end. I love that. He's in the clubhouse. I'm imagining him right now in the clubhouse grabbing his phone. People are trying to talk to him, and he's just like, hold on, hold on, Papa. Let me just finish this tweet real quick. Well, I'm going to get out of here. That's great. All right, well, uh, he is a great follow as well. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at TonyAndraki23. Tony, I appreciate you hanging out with me, man. Happy Friday. Go Cubs. All right, thank you. Appreciate it. Of course. Digital content manager, Cubs reporter for Watch Marquee. Uh, Marquee Sports Network, uh, just good guy, man. Make sure you guys uh, follow him and uh, check in with him. All right, it's Gabe Ramirez. It's 670 to score the other team in town, taking on the Detroit Tigers today. And I have an answer as to whether or not the Sox will fall victim to a guy making his first start in the league. We'll talk about that on the other side. It's Gabe Ramirez on a Friday here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score. We're back, live with more Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. White Sox taking on the Detroit Tigers today. And, of course, after dropping three out of the last four, uh, they're trying to do some damage. And today they might have an, an easier time doing it. Tigers calling up Reese Olsen to make his first start, which is going to be an interesting one. Um, so, of course... I mean, the Tigers are just dealing with a ton of injuries to their pitching staff. And they lost Matt uh, Veerling to another injury. So now you know, they had to call up Reese Olsen. Now, his stats, not the greatest in the minors right now. Um, but they're saying that he has like four or five pitches. You know, doesn't do anything exceptionally well. Um, but I tried. I tend to think back to like White Sox games, and I feel like over the last couple of years, whenever there's been someone that there's no real tape on or they've never faced before, the Sox tend to struggle. Um, and Olsen, I mean, listen, uh, you know, he had an 8-6 an and six record last year at a, above 4 ERA, um, but he did have 168 strikeouts in those 119 innings. So, I mean, that's pretty impressive. And then this year, uh, he's been with uh, Detroit's AAA affiliate. He's pitched 36 innings, 47 strikeouts. And if there's one thing that, you know, Chuck Garfine, uh, James Fox, the one thing they've been harping on about the Chicago White Sox team is the inability to draw a walk. And 
Maybe it's their approach when they get to the plate. Not necessarily sure, but this could be a recipe for a disaster with Reese Olsen. You know what I'm saying? It's really what I'm just trying to tell you. Like, what I'm trying to have you prepare for. Mike Clevenger, off the 15-day DL, he's going to be making the start for the Chicago White Sox. And he's been serviceable. You know, he's not anybody that's going to knock your socks off. But at the same time, I got to be honest, better than I thought he was going to be. Wasn't necessarily sure what to expect from Mike Clevenger. Actually, what I was expecting was trash. I was just like, ah, oh, this guy's just another guy that's going to be there. But decent. Last outing, went six strong, two earned runs, struck out five, but walked four. That was his uh, second, to la- second, to high- second highest total of walks uh, throughout the season. But what you're really looking for with Mike Clevenger is the amount of quality starts, right? One, two, three, four starts of six innings. Tech on another four starts of five innings. So, I mean, nine starts where he's given you at least five, which is exactly what you want if you're the Chicago White Sox. He had two games where he had eight strikeouts, another one with seven. Walks haven't necessarily been an issue for him. But again, not dominating people. 40 strikeouts, 22 walks, if you're that kind of a person that looks at those things. But again, White Sox looking to just bounce back and I think this is a, I, I do think this is a statement game for the White Sox. I think playing the Detroit Tigers, losing, and then you know the state of the team where it's in right now, it, it's just so White Soxy to like sweep the Tigers this three game set. It like it wouldn't surprise me, nor would it send me on some sort of tirade about. You know, the inconsistency of the Chicago. No, I just, I just, I accept it for what it is. But after losing three out of four to the Tigers last week, or yeah, last weekend, and then losing two out of two out of three to the Angels, it's just what they would do. Like, just, and they would probably destroy them. Like, today's probably going to be like a, let me see, like a five, no, like a six three game. Six three White Sox, put it on the boards. Yes. 6-3 6-3 White Sox today. And then tomorrow, like, there's going to be some offensive explosion. It's going to be like 12-5 White Sox. And then, then the Sunday's game, this is just wishful thinking, isn't it? As I'm saying it out loud, I realize how delusional I sound. I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Then, then they sweep. But that's exactly who the White Sox are. From their, from their, their lineup to their pitching staff. They are as inconsistent as they come. Michael Kopech gets the ball on Sunday, so he'll have an opportunity to bounce back from that one-off inning he had against the Angels on Monday. And then, you know, tomorrow you get an opportunity to have Dylan Cease on the bump. So, again, that's where I think, you know, with Clevenger, Cease, Kopech, those three I could see a sweep happening. And, and, and then... The one guy we're not talking about is Lance Lynn. A lot of people just, I remember last year, I would get into it with so many people about Lance Lynn. And I remember saying when he was god awful at the beginning of the season last year, I was like, hey, um, I don't think Lance Lynn's going to be on the playoff roster if the Sox were to make it. Everyone was pitching so well, Giolito, Kopech, Cease, 
And Johnny Cueto was doing his thing. And I said, you're not going to go deeper than four. And everybody looked at me like I was crazy. And then he hit that nice little stretch run, which what he that's what veterans do. He hit a nice little stretch run. He didn't have spring training, so it made sense. Beginning of the year, not necessarily his jam. Kind of picked it up, did well. Then had some spurts where he was, you know, doing well this season also. And that's, that's the tough part about these types of pitchers is that the expectations sometimes are just too high. You cannot expect Michael Kopech to go out there, give you six innings, ten strikeouts, and no earned runs every single time he's out there. He's going to throw a dud here and there. But Steve Stone was on uh, earlier, and he had with uh, Bernstein and, and, and Holmes, and he talked about, you know, I don't necessarily think anything's wrong with Lance Lynn. I just think this is who he is. But Steve Stone touched on that very subject. Lance, the three games before, threw the ball really well. He was 3-0. and Everything seemingly was on the right course. And then he ran into the buzzsaw that is Trout Notani yesterday. But he's not the Lone Ranger. There's a lot of people that do that. Lance was just missing. And when you miss your spots and when your stuff at this point of his career is not overwhelming, you're probably going to get hit hard. And when you're facing the right hitters, they're going to take advantage of it. That first uh, home run that Trout hit was a hanging slider. It was right there. I think Lance maybe wanted to get a couple of fastballs a little bit higher to Otani, and he, he unloaded on them. So, uh, you know, sometimes you have to give the hitters their due. Those are really good hitters. And overall, I mean, it just was one of those days that uh, you just as soon forget about for Lance. And again, I mean, it's, it's expected. It's okay if that happens, right? But then when you start having the conversation of how to fix someone, right? I mean, how can you fix something that's inconsistently consistent. I just think you have to execute your pitches. I mean, Lance and I were completely different pitchers. He throws three variations of fastballs. He's, for the most part, 85% fastballs. Now, they do different things, but it's held him in good stead for a long time. And this year, uh, when he is missing his spots, he's paying a big price for it. Uh, How I would go about it was, changing speeds a bit more because when you're, you know, there's really two ways that you can get people out. One is location. The other is velocity. And if the velocity keeps changing, then you have guys that can't sit back, uh, register 93 and know exactly where their hands have to be at the given time to get there. Then when you miss, when they're not guessing velocity at all and you miss, that's when their hands are right there. They hit the sweet spot and the ball goes a long way. So, Personally, I would change speeds a lot more. But, you know, this is a guy that's been a fastball pitcher his entire career. And uh, I think uh, this year has been at times a struggle for him. He's he's given up 15 home runs. I mean, I think that's second in the major leagues. And the, 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 the big thing is this, right? Like, that's you can say that's how you fix Lance Lynn. But it's another thing to actually have the conversation with the Bulldog. You know what I mean? Like, to go up to him and be like, hey, big dog. How's it going, man? <laughs> what? <laughs> that's what I. That's how. I, that's how I envision. Probably a super nice guy. I'm just making this up. I mean, what? Yeah, I just wanted to talk to you about about your last couple starts, man. What about them? <sighs> now nah, you know what. Forget it, bro. I'm just. I'm not gonna say it. You know, don't worry about it. Bro. I, 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 I'm not even worried about it. I know you're gonna bounce back. Cody Decker, who I've actually played a baseball game with alongside he was playing center field i was playing left 
Um, he was on with Bernstein and Holmes as well. And he talked about how he would or how you would ask Lance Lynn to make those changes. Now, I don't know Lance personally, so I don't know exactly how the best way to communicate with him myself. But if I were to guess, it would be pull him into the office and have a real conversation. Be like, man, listen, things are not going well right now. Your contract is a lot on us, not to mention you're not putting up the numbers we need. We need adjustments made. We need to be able to hit these certain numbers and we need to see some growth over your next couple of starts. So honestly, I would get with my R&D department. I would get with Ethan Katz and obviously Pedro Grafal, and I'd figure it out with Lance Lynn any way I possibly can and make it a conversation. Don't make it directions to the guy because this is a veteran who does garner a decent amount, of, not a decent amount, a lot of respect, a lot of respect from his peers, his teammates, his coaches, but players that have just been in other dugouts across from him. I've respected this guy for years, but it's about time to make an adjustment because at the end of the day, age comes for all of us. Uh. That's Cody Decker talking, and he's a former Major League Baseball player, and I'm sure that there's some people, you know, maybe Yohan Mankata's looking at this guy with, bro, you're yelling at me, and this is how you're playing? <laughs> I'm sure it's happening. Uh, but again, White Sox taking on the Detroit Tigers, the first of a three-game set. That one kicking off at 7.10 p.m. Hopefully, uh, Clevenger and the fellas can take down Mr. Olsen, making his Major League debut today. Uh, hopefully he has uh, nerves, not of steel, but of straw. That's what we're hoping for. Uh, hopefully get a victory there. All right. Uh, we're going to talk some bears on the other side. And, you know, I love talking with Grody yesterday. Uh, him and I did a show yesterday together because we any question that I, that I have about the bears, that's just like, you know, some things that keep me awake at night. I get to ask Mark Grody and he gives me these real answers. But then – you know, a couple days pass where we don't have a show together. And so last night, all I could think about was a question that I asked him, and I, and I have a better answer for it. And it is, which of the Bears wide receivers will not be on this team when you're looking at the top seven? Because there's seven receivers that, as you say their names, you're like, yeah, 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 yep, mm-hmm, yep, that guy. But the fact of the matter is, they're only going to keep six. And that was the question I asked Grody. How many of these did you keep? Six. All right. So then who's the odd man out? Who's going to be that guy? And I think my answer, my new answer, might shock you. 312-644-6767. When you're looking at this wide receiver group of the Chicago Bears, feel free to pull up the depth chart if you'd like. Which of these wide receivers do you think is not going to be on this squad at the start of the season? I'll take your Bears thoughts, any of them, after OTAs, and specifically the answer to that. Who's the wide receiver that's going to surprise people and not be on this roster at the beginning of the season? I'll give you my answer next. It's Gabe Ramirez right here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.